Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. We actually just recorded about 15 minutes of this episode. (laughs) Maybe more. And I forgot to press the record button. So all that magic. Take two. It was perfect. We can never do it. Okay, Laura, reintroduce for the first time for listeners. That's okay, because second times we do it better. So today we are talking about how to juggle everything in life and still maintaining a sense of self. And we've got all those crazy emotions like anxiety and guilt that we have to fend off, I guess, or process, tone down, process. And so how do we juggle everything in life and maintain a sense of self? And it's just for myself, even thinking of it right out of the gate, there are so many things intrinsic to me that naturally when you start something new and something really big, like say you graduate college and say you then enter the workforce for the first time and you have anxiety, like, oh my God, and I better do well and I want to make sure I produce. And it's overwhelming. And you end up putting all your focus in it because you really want to succeed at it, that you kind of maybe let go of some other parts of things that were just intrinsic to you because you want to build some roots. But what about the things that you go into, career included, and maybe marriage and family are kind of the three big ones that once you start putting all this energy into, you become so responsible for the outcomes there that you stop doing the work. And maybe you never did the work to begin with, which is kind of okay when you're a teenager in your 20s because you have so much energy, you could treat yourself like crap and your body just overcomes it. But how do you maintain self-care? How do you maintain a sense of self when you've taken on responsibilities that within the culture we live, it's almost insurmountable. We just want to do more, 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 faster, faster, faster. And there's no real balance baked into the formula of living in 2023. How do we maintain that sense of self while still juggling all those things that we want to be a part of? I want to be married to you, Laura. I want to maintain my profession. I want to be a great dad for the kids. I also want to play and have fun and take care of myself, there's not even close to enough hours in a day for me to tend to all of that. So how do you juggle all the things and maintain a sense of self? I think back to the day when you used to treat me in acupuncture, right in the beginning. And I remember you telling me, Laura, you're going to have to let all those balls drop because I had all the balls in the air. And you said, you're going to have to let them all drop and then start over. And I think about that all the time for so many people, but myself, what happens if you let all those balls drop? It does feel like you're trying to maintain. That's the thing. Are we really doing the heavy lifting? Are we really that in control? Are we really that powerful that we think our efforts are what are keeping our kids alive, are keeping the marriage alive, are keeping our jobs alive? Or is there some momentum that has been built up over time with these things that if we do let go temporarily to fill other cups of ourselves? that we can then pick up those things again and they'll still be there. It's okay to let go so we can replenish. So it's easier said than done. And today's guest, we have on a really good friend of ours, Amber Benyon, who is a mom of two children, nine and seven. 
And she's just as normal as any of us are in the sense that we're just trying to figure out how to get through each phase of life. And another part of Amber's story, which I think a lot of people can relate to, because clinically speaking, I see it every day, all day, is already having some underlying component of anxiety that we've been dealing with well before we added a job, a spouse, and children. So Amber's been doing that. So we wanted to have her on today to talk about how she juggles all those things and maintains that sanity and sense of self through all of this. So Amber Benyon. How do you do it? How do you do it? Welcome, first of all. <laughs> Thank Hi, you. Hi, and welcome. Thanks for having me. And now straight away, how do you do when, it? When you said I was normal, again. I'm like, ah, my <laughs> husband would disagree. No. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly far from doing it perfectly. And I really try to tell myself that I'm on a journey and I will forever be on a journey. Because I think a lot of my anxiety growing up was trying to be perfect, which I think a lot of people struggle with that sometimes. And I'm in a much more healthy place as an adult and as a parent and a, a partner. Even in my job, like not trying to be perfect, right? I'm just trying to do great and have things be wonderful. But yeah, no, it's been a long journey for me. I think having kids, especially in the beginning, having a baby, we were talking about that when you do have some underlying anxiety, I think oftentimes when you have that baby and you can feel as prepared as possible, Matt and I took classes to be prepared for the labor and delivery and read a book or so about parenting. But I think it just can hit you like a Mack truck. And that's what happened to me. I think just the act of giving birth and then afterward, you need to heal physically, mentally, emotionally, but you don't have time for that. You have this tiny little human that needs you all the time. And so I think it's kind of a perfect storm to exacerbate the anxiety and cause potentially postpartum depression, which is, I think, what I went through. And I know we kind of talked about for sure, 100%, I loved both of my children, have loved them from the very beginning from pregnancy. But I think having kids and you love them so much, but for me, at least I was struggling with anxiety and depression and this new role of how do I manage everything that can cause guilt too. Like I was not enjoying having a baby. There are baby people and then there are people who do a little better, I think, as the babies get older. And that was me. I was the latter. Yeah, I really struggled in the beginning. Even having some support, my mom lives here. And even having her, I still often felt isolated and alone in my feelings of guilt. So it was tough. So then nine years later, how have you mm -hmm. figured out and how are you figuring out how to maintain that sense of self? So A, you can show up in your major main relationships, right? To career, spouse, family, children. How do you manage to still show up and coming from a full cup and feeling connected that you're being true to yourself and you're not just depleting yourself all the time? There are two things that come to mind here. It's that people want to do well, they want to succeed, but they also don't want to let anybody down. Those are the two things that cause the anxiety and the guilt or just feelings of feeling overwhelmed. That kind of is the ruling thing when you go into, say, parenthood or a career or a marriage and you have all these main things we talked about before that the main things in life are you delve into a career, you delve into a family, delve into a marriage, and you just don't want to let anybody down. And you want to do it well. You don't want to just do average. You want to do it well, but sure. you want to do everything well. 
Well, I think I felt like I did lose a lot of myself in the early years of parenthood because I think society, for one, we've talked about this, there's this expectation of being this super mom that you have to like sacrifice everything and give everything. And while I would die for either of my kids in a second without thinking, at the same time, I think it's important to not forget about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I think about often is when you go on an airplane and the flight attendant says, okay, in the <laughs> yeah. event of an unexpected emergency, put the oxygen on yourself first. I think that is just huge. It's so hard. I think about it often. It is hard. So like, how do you learn to give to your children and meet their needs and be an amazing parent, but also not forget about you? I think in the moment I would not do that. Just for the record, I've thought about that many times and I've thought, no, my initial reaction would be to put the mask on the kids and I would go down. But they're not going to be okay (laughs) if you're not okay. I'll pass them off to somebody else who has a mask. We have two mothers and wives in this room and one dad and husband. Just what you're talking about, it just strikes me. It's taking a little bit of a left turn, but still the same thing here is I think it's so important to keep the children okay and safe. And a lot of times, stereotypically speaking, if the mother is in charge of that, that kind of trumps everything. And I think when we talk about how do you juggle all the things, I think instead of mothers or the primary caretaker making sure that they tend to themselves before they even do that, they take away from the spouse. They say, you know what? I can't possibly do this. So I'm just going to stop tending to the spouse because he'll handle it or she'll handle it. And then you go back into the same dysfunctional relationship of trying to do too much, of not tending to yourself. And now all of a sudden you have that relationship breaking down. You have the relationship to yourself breaking down because you're so panicking about not providing enough for the children. And I think it's a recipe for disaster. I think really maintaining that sense of self, it can only come from, like you're saying, like letting go, even though it's like, how am I supposed to let go of taking care of my kids? Temporarily, you have to let go a little bit that the momentum of their life is stronger to sustain than you doing everything. Like we're not doing all the heavy lifting. If our kids don't eat dinner, they're going to make it through the night. You want to give them dinner, but they're pretty resilient and you need to be challenged throughout childhood to be ready for adulthood. If you're never willing to let go of the reins for even a second, you're never going to replenish and be able to support everything else in your life, including yourself. The very first time, I mean, I know I see the look on your face, but the very first time I decided to take care of myself when we had the children was years, years after where the kids finished school. And I think it was the whole virtual school that, I mean, really threw everybody into a tizzy or it did for me. And then the kids finally finished off that school year. And that was a terribly overwhelming block of time in life. And once the kids finished up with school, I actually came to you for the first time and said, I have to get out of here. I need a break. I never said I needed a break. It just brought up too many feelings of guilt that I was abandoning our children. So I left and I went for a weekend and I went to the beach. Remember that? And I had put it on social media, how important it is to- So much feedback. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But I'm going back and I'm thinking of the last take that you were talking about, the Mm -hmm. support group. And I want you to go into that story, Amber. But you had talked about how there was one woman who validated your feelings. And for me, by the way, during pregnancy, it was what What to to expect expect when when expecting. expecting. 
Yes, it was that movie because one of the girls had come out and she's like, pregnancy sucks. Yes. And I'm like, yes, it does. I don't have to think that this is the most beautiful thing in the world. It was fantastic. But yeah. when I put it on social media, it was so validated that it's okay to take a break and mm -hmm. take some me time. And it was from that point on that I have allowed myself to take care of myself. But that was really years later. After having three children back to back, I don't even remember how old they were, but I guess that was, we had a first grader, a kindergartner, and a rogue two-year-old in the house with mm -hmm. COVID. Don't remember where that train of thought was going. But. I think the validation <laughs> and feeling seen, right? Yes, and feeling and like heard. you're not alone. Uh -huh. And you can simultaneously love your children more than anything in the universe, but also need time away from being a parent. And yes. so I think this friend of mine, that's what she did for me is like at a play date one day, she was just really brutally honest. And I think her toddler was having just a particularly rough day. And she was like, God, parenting can fucking suck sometimes. And I was like, yes, thank you. Like, I was shocked that that came out of her mouth because it kind of sounds a bit harsh, but I was like, it can be true. And you can feel both of those things at the same time. And I think so it was kind of interesting, funny, because she's the same friend who years later was taking a meditation class to try to ease her anxiety. And I didn't really know anything about meditation. And what I thought of meditation was completely wrong. And I had a misunderstanding, but I took the class and it really had a significant impact on my life and my anxiety. And at 10, 15 minutes a day, and I was less reactive, more patient with myself, with everybody. So that was really big. I think, Adam, you were asking, like, how do you balance and kind of be the parent you want to be, but also give to yourself? I think everybody has to look inside and figure out what's important to them. So I think now this stage of my life, over the years now, I've kind of tapped back into like what fills my bucket so I can be present for everybody. And it's not always perfect, but I think getting to sit to meditate 10, 15 minutes a day, if I can. I danced growing up and then I took years off from that. And then I found a dance studio that has adult classes. And even if I go once every couple of weeks, that's huge for me to reconnect with something that brings me so much joy. Having good friendships to support me. I participate in a book club where we get together and we have deep discussions about things. I mean, I just think you have to figure out what's important and what brings you joy and make just try to squeeze in, make time for those things where you can. Because I think also it's important that the kids see that, that we yes, model that. It's not healthy, this super mom idea of like, if my kid is seeing me and I'm just like, I'm here for you, every need you have. World revolves all your, around you. Exactly. That mm -hmm. is not a good mentality or healthy mentality a for a child. Concept. We want to model how can we be there for our family, but also have interests and passions and take care of ourselves. Absolutely. That's so important. I mean, my parents showed me that on two ends of the spectrum because my dad, he does take care of himself, but he really, really takes care of his needs. And my mom always had complained about that, that he takes care of his needs before everybody else. But my mom on the other end of the spectrum only took care of our needs and she imploded one day. We always knew she would. So to find that perfect balance mm -hmm. of taking care of yourself, but also taking care of others and not feel like you're letting anybody down. I think that's you know, a really big thing. I think there is another part before I'm saying like how kids are so resilient. Yeah, like they could skip a meal and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But obviously you don't want that to happen, right? You want right. giving, feeding your kids and giving them what they need. Back in the day, it was village mentality, right? You're a tribe. 
And you didn't have to be everything to everyone all the time. So I think part of this is culturally that we've created these silos, these silo families. And I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think it's possible to do all the things. I mean, think about if there were 10 families in a tribe, whatever, in a village, it would be, it's so easy. You don't have to be on point all the time. You would only be one spoke of the whole wheel. Someone would be the teacher and someone would be the nurturer. And then few would be the hunter and gatherers. But now we're so isolated. Our families are so isolated and we have no help. And then the concept of super mom comes out and holy crap, that just puts so many expectations on, I don't know. I always vowed that I would never, if people would say, oh, super mom, or if they use that term, because it is really overused, I would not allow that to seep through my pores and not try to make that be a thing for me because it's just a recipe for disaster. So how realistic is it then? Everything that I talk about, I try to live by and teach with everyone I work with is how to follow the rhythm of natural order, the cycles of life, that things are born, they mature, they grow, they express, they yield some outcome, some result, and then they start decaying and they die. And round and around, then rebirth happens. It's just the natural order of life. And by the same token, it's like we're born into, say, parenthood. And then we're like, okay, got to crush it. And then we're not able to let go of that identification long enough to let ourselves decay and come back to source so we can be reborn again as a parent, doing the same thing that we know we want to do, but we never take the time to replenish, to let go long enough. So how do we do that realistically? You said you meditate a little bit, you do dance stuff. But I mean, the way I'm seeing it is I don't know many people that are willing to let go of those identifications long enough to truly replenish. Like maybe we take a vacation for two days or we take a dance class or we meditate a little bit. I kind of feel like that usually just scratches the surface. It keeps us in the game. But I don't know many people who aren't on some level reeling from and just hoping they can get through this without everything turning to crap. Let alone you're engaged in relationships. So if you do try to allow yourself to come back to some sort of stasis, you're letting people down. You might be letting your spouse down. And how much time do you need? Is your spouse willing to hold space for you during that downtime, during that dead time? Are your friends willing to hold space? Are your kids willing to hold space for you? No. So you don't get that real chance unless you really dive in and say, hey, this is what I need. This is where I'm going. I mean, how successful is that? I always think about whenever I meet people from across the pond, from like Europe or across the world, Australia, anywhere like that, and you meet them and they're like, ah, we're on holiday. Like, oh yeah, I'm on vacation mm. too. Like, how long are you wait for? I'm like, a week. They're like, that's not a holiday. What do you mean? You got at least a month. And we barely month. get that. Right. It's like, it has to be at least a month. Like you have to detach for a while. When you go away, say people where North Carolina, people go for a week to the beach in the summer. It takes me three days just to like sink in. Oh, yes. That Michael Moore documentary. Do you remember Where to Invade Next? Oh, I saw that. Yes. Mm -hmm. When they did Italy because he wanted to take Italian habits of, they were talking about how the Americans, they don't take any time for rest. But when they go away, it's at least a month. There's replenish time. But you say also do, because I Mm. remember that documentary. They take like an hour for lunch every day. I mean, I totally hear you and I agree that we need to take time and like change the scenery and do something different and really detach. But at the same time, I think it needs to be these these habits or practices that help us maintain ourselves and balance our life. 
I think needs to be like built into our daily has to be activities. Like again, whether it's a 10, 15 minute meditation, whether you take your dog for a walk, like sometimes I take Cody for a walk, like, cause we have a tendency to always be connected to things, right? Mm -hmm. Like instead of listening to music or calling my sister or somebody, I will tell myself, no, Amber, I feel really lucky. I live in a really beautiful wooded neighborhood and I walk with Cody and I try to just like absorb it all and take it all in and look around and look at the sky and the trees and listen to the birds. And like, that will help me be grounded Mm -hmm. and kind of center myself. So I think building activities in to your daily routine that can help you feed in for yourself, right? Get to that bucket that you need, your bucket of patience and tolerance and all of that. That's a practice that I started this last school year because I could, because once the kids went, then I would come in and I would work for a few hours and then I would cut out at the exact same time every day, no matter what. And I would go out for a walk or a run or a bike ride or something. But that's not so easy to do now that the kids are out of school. I would love to maintain that. And which is also why we get up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning to make sure we get that me time. That is exactly what we do. We get up really, really early before all the kids get up and we get that me time. So how to maintain the sense of self and maintain the kids, but I'm going to come back and I can't wait to have the episode where I have just two guys on that are fathers and husbands. Come back to the guys. Yeah, because it's just too often. I mean, and I'll ask you, Amber, if you want to talk about it, Laura, you can talk about it. How do you feel juggling all the things? I mean, even raising a child, it came out of a marriage. How do you feel about your marriage? How do you juggle that? How are you also giving time to that? Or is that taking a back seat? So I think what you said earlier about oftentimes like how we kind of sacrifice and let things go, not in a good way, letting things go, like letting stressors go, but rather like I'm giving everything to my kids. So the first thing that's going to kind of get taken away is my connection to my partner and then maybe to myself. And you would never not give your children what you need. I think that does happen often. I think it is easy to kind of not feel connected to your partner when we're all crazy and trying to juggle kids and schedules Mm -hmm. and work and all the activities. But I think at least for Matt and I, things that have been helpful, it's easier said than done, but really trying, even if it's once a month to go out for dinner, the two of us and just enjoy like a nice quiet dinner. We'll sometimes take a walk together, whether we're walking the dog or we're just walking. If he happens to be home and he's working from home, even if he just takes 15 minutes, that can be good where we just chat together. Something recently that we started that I'm really enjoying is we both started taking beginner tennis lessons (laughs) and we play together and it's not a lot. I wish we could do it more. That's a goal is like, can we do this once a week or once every couple weeks? But it's fun. Like Mm -hmm. I saw an article the other day about adults needing to play. As human beings, we need to play because we become an adult doesn't mean like we shouldn't be playing anymore. And I think the tennis is kind of serving that purpose for us. Like no we laugh. Intended. No pun intended. Exactly. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> so yeah, I'm terrible. Matt's much better than me, but we laugh. We crack up together. Like we have a lot of fun. And so I That's think awesome. it's important. Nice. Yeah. I think, Adam, going back to your question, Amber had said that the kids need to learn that the world doesn't revolve around them. Give me a second to continue here. Don't even have a thought. But in the beginning of a relationship, At least I know for us, the world did revolve around you and the world revolved around me pre-kids 
back in the day when we first started dating. Then when you have the kids, yes, that is the very first thing that at least entered in my mind is he's a grown man. He can take care of himself. When it all came down to, I had to get dinner together and da 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 And it was a thought often was, okay, I can't get everything done. So I was already the first one falling off of taking care of myself. You were the second. There's no question about it. Now, today, 10 years later of having kids and trying to figure out how to fit in a career and how to get everything in all their activities as they're older, they have so many more activities now and they're in every direction. I've started to tend to myself. I still haven't been able to bring the partnership back Me, into, back in. right? But I mean, it takes time uh-huh. you know, to pepper this stuff back in and to figure it out, but that doesn't give any answers. It's, it's on a conscious level though. It makes sense. Like it, it all adds up, right? I mean, there's only so much that can go around. And if you're not tending to yourself, that has to happen before you can tend to the other thing. Mm-hmm. So if I get so consumed in work and my financial responsibility to the family, and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I haven't been tending to my marriage or I'm not spending enough time with the kids. First things first, I'm already overworked. I need to start filling up my cup a little bit. So my first action, maybe I say, okay, I want to spend more time with the kids because, oh my God, that's ridiculous. So I start spending more time with the kids and realize now it's even more expenditure. So I was like, wait a second, I'm not even close to getting to you, Laura. So now I have to backtrack, figure out how to start, like you're saying, Amber, meditate more, start playing more, doing these things. Now it looks like I'm even going further away from you, Laura, because now not only am I not tending to you, I'm adding things into my life that aren't you. But it's for you. But it's for me. And, and that's important. But like, what if it stalls there? What if like I do that and like, okay, I figured out a way to maintain myself enough that I can tend to the kids, but like, that's it. I've pulled all from where I can get to and, and it's not translating to you. Hopefully you have a very patient wife. Yeah. Like you always say, don't put a timetable. It's true. I mean, that's a marriage we have to the day we die to play around and mess around and try this and try that and see what works and what doesn't work. Let it fall off. Okay, let's engage. But we have time to play with that. You say that, but it's like, say Mm -hmm. like Amber, when you had your career before you started kids, right? And then you have kids. Did it change how many hours you put in? Oh, yeah. Well, I went from working full time to working once or twice a week. Right. So you're able to do that. And then your job can come back. Your boss can come back, whatever the field can say, oh, we have a place for that. We have a place for a part time worker or sorry, we don't. But in a marriage, it's not like part-time marriage, part-time marriage, like, no, thanks. (laughs) This doesn't work for me. So what would happen if you could not get a job that was okay with part-time? You'd work from home. Right? Like, where would you do? That's really tricky. I mean, I think a lot of marriage is compromising, right? A little give, a little take, and that kind of fluctuates. My grandmother says life is mountains and valleys, and I think relationships are a part of that. Like when you say your vows, it's like through better or worse, whatever it is. Absolutely. You know, there are going to be some shitty times. And working at the hospital, whenever I would have a therapy session with an older person, let's say like 80s or 90s, and they've been married for decades, right? I love to ask them, like, what do you think the secrets are? What do you think the strategies are to have a long, happy marriage? Most of the time, they all say like getting through the sticky times, getting through the times that are cruddy. Do they communication. Say how, do and they communication. say how long those sticky times are? No, I didn't get specifics <laughs> on that, but that's usually what they would say because I'm always curious. 
when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for my life, and I was like, oh, do I want to go to medical school? And I was like, nah, I don't want to give up all my 20s. And then like, you have to work so hard, like you have to work so many hours, can't have a family. And I was like, no, I don't want that. And then leave that aside a second. I was talking to some good friends of mine and they've been married or a college sweethearts type of thing. And they've been together now for probably 25 years or something, at least We're married for 25 years. And I was letting them know one time, I was like, hey, Laura and I are going through some difficulties and I don't know what to do. And it's just connections not there and things have fallen off. And they're talking to me and they're like, I remember this decade, it was really off. And I'm like, what? A decade? Oh I'm like, I don't think so, man. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can't expect if you're going to be in a marriage, I mean, say we don't die anymore. Okay. So we live to be 80, 90 years old and you get married in your thirties or forties. I mean, that is a lot of time with each other. Mm -hmm. You have to give some grace for those lows. That's life. Okay. So let me ask you. A lot of it I think is expectations. I couldn't agree with you more. But this kind of can carry over too to what we started talking about in terms of like expectations as a parent, expectations to yourself. Absolutely. You can't have these crazy high unrealistic expectations. I think you have to give yourself some forgiveness and know that it's just going to be really hard sometimes. You're going to have some really... All say there are hard times. That's fine. You guys are talking as people who have had to choose other things, but the people that are on the other side of the coin that are, might not might have to take the hit. It's like if you work for an organization that you love and they're like, we're going through tough times, we have to cut your pay in half. And you're like, okay. We've I'm, been there. I'm in. I mean, Awakenings in uh, San I'm Diego. Saying, we've and it was been like, there. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's $100,000 that you have now left on the table. <laughs> And you're like, I'm willing to do this for the company because I believe in this organization so much. I'll take the pay cut. But what happens if they happens and then you start seeing the company give attention elsewhere and they don't come in and say, hey, you really understand you're taking a big hit here. Like there's no connection point and you're just now doing it and you're like, I'm doing this, but I don't even feel like they care anymore. I don't even feel like it's a thing. Like it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm in it to win it. But if you don't even feel the connection of why you are sacrificing, that makes it tough. So bringing it back to the two things that I had said in the very beginning about how we want to do well and we want to succeed in what we're doing, but we also don't want to let anybody down. I think a really, really big factor in that is, because I'm going through that right now, is I'm so overwhelmed with everything. Summertime and the kids are in a thousand different directions and I'm in a thousand different directions and Adam, you're in a thousand different directions. And I honestly feel like I am letting like 50 people down, my parents and friends and everybody, because I'm not able to tend to literally anyone, most importantly, the kids. But I do think that a huge thing is that communication is to let people know, hey, I just had to do it with our neighbor. Our neighbor needs me for something right now because she's moving. And she keeps on asking me this and that. And I had to just have a voice and say, hey, I know I'm letting you down, but this is the best I can do. I think I say it to the kids probably 30 times a day. I'm doing the best I can. But meanwhile, our kids have the most I know they do. glorious life I could ever imagine. I would trade and, places and, with them in a second. And one day they'll look back and see that they have a very charmed life. But in the meantime, I do find myself saying, I say it to my mom all the time. I say, I'm doing the best I can. It's not necessarily giving me a pardon, but I do have to say that it feels really, really good to say it out loud. So it's a communication to you. I'm doing the best I can. I don't know. I can't give you what you need right now, but I'm doing the best I can. I think for me personally, Mm -hmm. something that I've gotten much better at as I've gotten older is being a little bit selfish Mm -hmm. and saying no. 
So, uh, I mean, if I have a friend call me who desperately needs help, I am there in a second. But if it's something that is just going to cause me and my family more stress and maybe the friend doesn't really need it or whatnot, old Amber would have been like, yes, I'm pleasing everybody and I want to be there for everybody. Like you're saying, you don't want to let anybody Mm -hmm. down. And I would be there no matter the cost. Now that I'm getting older, I'm better at making choices. I'm better at saying I can't do it all and I'm not going to do it all because I have to be okay. Again, the oxygen mask. I have to be all right so I can be there for my kids, my husband, my family. And that can be hard and uncomfortable sometimes and awkward. But I think you have to, for me, I've gotten better at doing it because I've just had to do it. To what you were talking about, Adam, about like the company that stops connecting with you and you're struggling. That's hard. I, I think you have to make a choice in those situations. Like you have to look at both sides or what your options are and you have to figure out like what's going to be best for you and the people that are important to you. I mean, that's a tough one. Yeah, but for better or for worse, like you committed to this company. What would be best for you? Still. But then it's not for better term, or for worse. Then short term and long term. But then you're going against the creed. But marriage is long term. So you have to you have to be forward thinking in it's not just a relationship, a friendships that I you know I'm sad to say, but a lot of them do drop off. But this is a marriage. This is a commitment. And you're going to go through the highs and lows. Life is messy. But I think you have to still have some connection. The communication and connection are like coming huge. from parents who are divorced. When I was younger, that was hard, although my parents never really fought in front of us. So I didn't have any kind of trauma from that because it can get ugly. As I got older, I realized that despite my parents being divorced, I was actually quite lucky because I had friends whose parents had divorced. But it was like they waited to, they were in a very unhappy marriage for years and years and years and fought terribly in front of their children. And that was more detrimental on the kids than what I had experienced. I mean, I think if you get to a place, even in a marriage, yes, all these older people who were like, yeah, you got to get through the crappy times. But that's, I think, when there is still something that you love about that person, there's a string of connection. I think if there is nothing there, if that ends up getting cut off at some point and it's cut off for a while, then I think it's okay to say, this isn't working for either person anymore. And are we going to be healthier, happier in a better place? always love what we had. But if that's no longer present, I think Mm. sometimes you have to go through a difficult transition to get to a better place. You have Mm -hmm. to fill your bucket. Either way, you have to fill your bucket. And so then bringing it full circle, we all have so many things to take care of. I think we could all agree it's absolutely impossible to tend to all of it, to give 100% to all of it. It's just in today's day and age, So some of it is going to have to be kind of put on hold or second string. And when I talk to patients about how to show up as the king of your life, king of your kingdom, or you're the parent to yourself, or you're the CEO of your company type of thing, if you're going to be in charge, you have to maintain order and maintain inspiration. So for all of us here, it's like, how do I maintain order of my life? I have all these things to juggle. Well, I need to maintain it. So if I think of a kingdom and say, I have a hundred subjects in my kingdom and 20 really need me right now. I can't just ditch the other 80. I can say, I can turn to those other 80 and say, hey guys, I know you need me too, but those other 20 there, I need to tend to this right now. I don't expect you to understand. I don't expect you to like it, but I just want you to know, I know that you also need me. I just want you to know you're very important to me and I'm going to circle back around in X amount of time to see how we're doing. 
So I'm not dismissing you or abandoning you right now, but I have to turn to this other 20%. Communication. Communication. Then those other 80%, the other 80 people can at least still be inspired to be part of that kingdom. Okay, we can tighten the belt a little bit. But if all of a sudden I just then start spending all my time with those 20 people and I never circle back around and they're going to fall off. You have to do a minimal amount to maintain some life. Otherwise you lose the whole kingdom. So for me, the magic seed here is I don't think A, it's possible to keep everything juggled all the time. I think you have to let things go and have a little bit of faith that if I turn my back on, say, those 20 people in my kingdom that really need me to 10 to the 80, it's going to be okay. Even though I know those 20 need me the most right now, it's the biggest fire. I have to circulate and tend to my entire kingdom if I want to maintain my whole kingdom. And you're going to let people down. You're going to let things down. And you have to take that chance. That's the only way for me I can maintain a sense of self. I have to take care of me. I have to get my rest. I have to nourish myself. I have to be enjoying this process so I can show up and then actually inspire my relationships and then do my best to circulate around all the things that need me in life. That's the best I could do. And that's my magic seed. I love the magic seed. Amber, do you have anything else to say? I completely agree. And I think in doing that, you're modeling for your kids. How do you try to balance? It's not always going to be perfectly balanced, right? And that's okay. But how do you try to have all these pieces of the puzzle kind of try to fit into your life? You're modeling for everybody, actually. Mm -hmm. Not just the kids. You're modeling for your parents and for your friends. That's a big thing. Good role model. I speak to you about that. And we're going to end right now. But I speak to you about that, Laura. Like, What's taking a hit in our relationship is the, the affection and the intimacy part. And I'm like, hey, we're not modeling that for the kids. We're modeling how to stick together and we're still very positive and healthy and good and peaceful. We're not really modeling that, how to have an intimate connection. So there's always that modeling component to it that when you have kids on the line, it's like, wow, what do we want to model? And then sometimes it changes priorities. Right. So Um, look at your priorities. Look at the priorities. Okay. Well, we're going to end it here. We could talk for hours on this yeah. subject. Mm-hmm. All day. But we thank always you. do. <laughs> thank you, Amber, for being a thank part. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And adding such value here. And we'll have you on again, hopefully, for other topics. And until next week, nothing but love.